Hello there, it's Jamila Jamel. Take a deep breath. Let your breath out slowly to the count of six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Do you feel better? Well, on my podcast, I Weigh, this month we'll be exploring ways to tackle mental health and feel better with guests like Simon Sinek from The Optimism Company, therapist Vienna Farron, comedian Neil Brennan, and many more. Listen to I Weigh wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, peeps. Help Me Be Me is underfunded and needs your help. If you enjoy listening to this or it helps you at all, please visit helpmebeme.com and click donate or visit me on Patreon. Thanks. Hi friends, it's Sarah May, and today I'm doing a a very special kind of episode. I'm calling it Messy Loss and Grieving, and it's basically how to approach the death of someone you had lots of conflict with, or just polarizing kind of... uh, ambivalence around. So uh, today I'm talking with one of my besties, Layla, about loss and maybe impending loss. Basically, how to prepare yourself mentally for uh, the shit that comes up when you lose someone and you're not prepared to lose someone. And maybe if you haven't dealt with a lot of the stuff around them, you might have a lot of really powerful mixed feelings about them. So we're going to kind of loosely structure this into three parts. So it's kind of like a traditional episode. Um, but it'll be more of a conversation. So we both felt like this would be helpful to you guys. So let's call this part one the what. First of all, hello, Layla. Hi. Layla was also in an episode very early on. I can't remember which one it was, but it was about diet fear uh, for anyone that's listened to every single episode. Anyway, <clears throat> Layla, do you want to give us the kind of short version version of this kind of situation or as far as you want to go? Yeah, absolutely. So I had a close immediate family member pass away um, a couple of months ago, and they were elderly, so it wasn't too much of a surprise or a shock. But um, during the grieving process, I noticed that there wasn't a lot of information, there weren't a lot of resources on how to deal with death when it's a very challenging person in your life. Um, This person wasn't easy, um, wasn't easy to deal with, um, was, you know, a really, really challenging person and was very close to me. So, um, it brought up a lot of really conflicting feelings, um, that made it difficult for me to feel like I was grieving properly, whatever that means. Right. Yeah. So you're like, you want to like, you'll be sad, but then you'll also be like, but I, I hate you and I don't want to care about you but yet I have one last chance to be close to you but like you're not a person I can be close with and therefore it's like uh, a train that's like about to leave so you're like what the fuck am I supposed to do so many different kinds of emotions I don't know if I'm speaking for you but that's just what it brought to my mind yeah absolutely and I think that there's also some things that people don't talk about in situations like this where you can actually feel some real relief also, which is not um, a good feeling to feel. Because you feel guilty. Totally guilty, yeah. Right. Wow, yeah. 
So and because it's toxic, I'm sure you're also like, I want to protect myself from further damage from this person that I've already endured a lot of, you know, scars from. So that can also be a reason to want self-protect and stay away. So how do you yeah. So how do you contend with that? And for a lot of people I know, you know, that in that point in their life, they're like, I'm not going to. I already decided this person doesn't deserve my time. I've cut them out of my life for very good reasons. And therefore, no, I'm not, even if they're dying, I'm not going to let them back in. So how do you feel about that? I feel like it's not always a choice because I did have um, a lot of those feelings where I had at a certain point to do exactly what you're talking about to kind of really distance myself from this person in order to truly heal and to move forward and to be a better self and to kind of be there for myself. No, totally. I mean, so you kind of did the healthy thing, cut off from this person. And then when you found out they were going to die, were you like, I have to deal with this now because I'm obligated to? Or did you did you have a debate in your mind about whether or not you were going to like, did you have a decision to make whether or not to help out? Or was it kind of like really based on if you wanted to do it for yourself? Right. So even um, when you are cutting off from a person like that, when something like this happens, it's not. I thought that I would be totally prepared for it because of the uh, distance that I had already made. But it's really not that easy. It's not a choice. You will have feelings come up that you're not prepared for. Um, I think that the best thing that I could have ever done for myself um, was the actual distance and to get um, into therapy and to kind of work through the damage that this person or the pain that this person had inflicted earlier on. Hmm. You were kind of prepping yourself ahead of time for the eventual day that the person would pass away. Yeah, I mean, not so much as the actual... Um, I don't think that I went into it with that in mind, but now that it's actually happened, I can't even begin to tell you how much better I've handled the entire situation, not to mention many, many other situations in my life after, you know, having a really competent um, therapist for a number of years. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, this has just been so much easier because in a way I've had a chance to already grieve the loss of this person many years ago. That's cool. So so in therapy, it's almost like it didn't matter if dead or not. You could you could process the loss of what they didn't give you and what you needed from them and like what you could never get from them in many ways. Absolutely. Yes, that's exactly um, what happened. And then, you know, when the time came when this person did get really sick and we knew that um, they were going to die, I was able to be there. Mm -hmm. And to at least have a sense of closure um, and to feel really proud of myself to be able to handle that situation. Mm. So can you 
So this is a good segue into why. Like, why would somebody want to, first of all, even do it? You know, why would ever, like, because a lot of people, I feel like almost, you know, the relief or the vindication for not having to go back to the person that wronged them to be like, see, this is the final fuck you. I don't give a shit about you dying. I'm not going to give you anything. But there is a very good reason for why should, I shouldn't say that, why it, it might be a good thing for you to have that closure, not for them, but for you um, around saying goodbye or, or some sort of like, you know, visit when they, when they are dying. So what would be if you were to tackle that a good reason for why you did want to say goodbye or, or whatever you would call it? I think um, that this kind of goes, I think that this would basically be future self. Like Layla in 20 years, a lot of people who I've spoken with about um, this kind of situation, maybe not as um, dramatic as the distance that I had to make with this person, but just, you know, seeing people who they maybe weren't as close with um, when they were about to pass away. It just seems like something that I will be really grateful that I had a chance to do. And in kind of the final moments, it just really, a lot of the anger was gone. Um, the first couple of visits that I had with this person, I feel like I was still a little bit angry, but there was a huge sense of relief and almost things kind of coming full circle and I can't really put my finger on it but I know that I did the right thing for myself mm -hmm. um not to say that if you know there is someone out there who had someone in their life who was difficult and they weren't able to be there um towards the end of that person's life that that wouldn't be exactly the right thing for them to do either. It's just, I think that if anything, I would really just say that if I hadn't have gone to therapy, if I hadn't have worked through the things before this happened, I would have probably not been able to be there when, you know, towards the end. And I feel like it just felt really good to be able to be strong enough for myself and for other family members to mm. be present when that happened. And like, I know it was, I mean, just being your friend and being around you when that was happening, I know that was like a, a whirlwind of like chaotic, you know, some of the emotions were so intensely painful and like brought you back kind of to like the worst times. And then the next moment, some of you were like, I'm strong and I'm back to my present day full healed self again and it w I, I think that's to be expected when you lose anyone that's really close to you um how do you feel like in the moment you were able to I know a lot of it was just therapy but like how how are you able to kind of keep a, your handle your your hands on the wheel and know exactly what was right for you to do um I honestly I don't 
really know that I made that decision consciously. Feeling it through but yeah. And and making sure you were taking care of yourself or or were you kind of having a conversation with yourself throughout the time? Like I know it was like day by day process. I think so. I think that I I had to coach myself into being there for a couple of situations. Um, yeah, I I definitely had to have those conversations with myself. And honestly, though, I really don't know that there was anything. It, it was really weirdly unconscious for mm. me to be okay with it, which is on it. It's, I mean, it's a really good feeling because I feel like it transcended the anger mm -hmm. and I was Later. able to cry. Exactly. And being able to cry made me feel like human because mm -hmm. I, for a long time had felt really bad about not having a connection not knowing if you did care exactly right exactly right I think and that I think comes from it's so dangerous to care like it causes you so much pain for so many years to care that we cut that off in ourselves and then we believe like maybe we don't love them at all I mean I I have like a, a situation I was relating to you throughout that that is not is not similar I mean it's similar but it's not as big or painful as that but I remember just in honestly my therapist was the person that was like you you owe it to yourself in like 50 years from now maybe that person will want this experience will want some kind of connection like think about that person and the memories that that person might want when you make these big milestone decisions and I'm so grateful that she said that. And at the time, I was like, fuck you. I mean, not fuck you. But I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to do this. And I'm not. I don't. Like, I was so opposed to it and so angry at the idea of having to entertain this type of thing. Um, but it was so valuable to me in even, like, the near future. I had no idea what it would mean to future me. I'm really, really glad someone forced me to make a decision based on that because quite honestly I would have regretted it for the rest of my life. And that's not to say you would have you listening would would regret it at all. It might be much healthier and safer and more self-protective and self-loving to not have a connection to a person. But it this is more about I guess considering it from a new lens and hearing from somebody that had to confront it, you know, of the most severe circumstances so it might inform your decision making or or change the way you approach this type of thing um and also death is like such a gnarly um such a gnarly thing in the way it makes you confront all times in your entire life and in one crystallized moment so you might have like such crazy chaotic feelings that come up one second you feel like a baby and the next second you feel like uh, a professional adult that needs nobody. And those will come in just such powerful waves. 
because it is like a timeline, you know, kind of have to, to make a call. So now knowing all that you know, what would you, I guess, say somebody in the um, what would you offer them as far as why? Yeah, and I think that you brought up a valid point when you're talking about timeline. I think that um, in situations where you've had a really hard time with someone, especially someone who would be responsible for shaping your life, I think taking, you know, the steps to self-care and creating your own timeline is so, so crucial. And I really can't, I know I've <laughs> said this a few times already, but I really can't stress that enough. Um, whether the closure was, you know, something that I will be happy, like super relieved about many years from now or not, I really feel like having created my own timeline it, by, you know, grieving the loss of not having this person be the person who I needed them to be in my life really enabled me to just kind of follow the protocol and be there um, for other family members during that time and be there for myself during that time and be able to cry and to release and to feel not isolated mm -hmm. in my own grief where, you know, being there at this person's bedside enabled me to be around other people who were, you know, grieving differently, but who I'm close with. And I really, yeah, I think that that's probably um, the best yeah. way I can put it. Yeah. And it, in other words, it kind of allowed you to write your own story or, or feel empowered in the way that it unfolded versus feeling like further. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. And as far as the closure, closure is a wonderful thing. It really, really is. And to be able to do that on my own terms and to be able to have that as a piece of, you know, this journey in my life to be able to have that and to know that I was there is kind of cool, especially with um, the journey of what I've been through with family. Yeah, well, what would you say? Because I know for friends of mine and, like, for people I, I know who have similar family who are, like, undeserving is the best way to say of, of their affection and their attention, they, they still hold, this is my perception of them, they still hold on to a lot of that pain and a lot of that resent and they cut them off and they didn't kind of, I guess, confront their relationship with that person when they passed away. And in, in my perception, that just, it forces you to hold on to that pain. It's almost like it freezes it and you keep carrying it for the rest of your life. It's like still a sore spot. Can you describe a little bit just how the quality of the wounds you have changed? through this process of like, I guess, letting go? Yeah, definitely. I think that um, the state that this person was in toward the end, like kind of an enfeebled state, really brought some different perspective. And being able to see someone in a weakened state and, 
you know, we'd had conversation. They weren't in, they weren't mentally a hundred percent, but we had conversations, you know, in the beginning when I went to go see them in, in this state where I was really still angry and having like a really good, a really interesting dialogue where I was able to kind of voice some of the things that I was upset about and realize that, you know, this person was not, was not even the same person as the one who hurt me. Like it was just like kind of a shell and it was really freaky and really beautiful and really just, uh, very important experience for me to to realize that because you kind of like saw yourself almost or like saw yourself wanting this thing that's not gonna come and it that that. yeah I think it basically just gave it kind of like flipped the script and made me feel that I really did have my own power in how I ended up viewing the entire situation and like especially the closure situation really nice to be almost like a benevolent giant <laughs> yeah <laughs> where this person is completely powerless and right. dying and to be able to say okay you know you hurt me but i understand what's happening right now and i can't I can't confuse you by bringing my own pain into the situation right now. It's like, you know, and I, you had given me some good advice on the way to the hospital a couple of times, um, or one of the times that I went, you had said to see this person as like a baby or, um, an animal. And, you know, it sounds like brutish, like, to say like an animal, but it really is like a puppy or a baby where you're just kind of like, I mean, you can't really, it's, it's hard to, when you have that much power over a being at that point, it's really hard to express any kind of aggression and that kind of, it really humbled me in a weird way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I don't know. It's I think one of the most wonderful things about going through therapy is like you realize when you work on yourself and you heal yourself and you give yourself all the love that you deserved that you didn't get, then you suddenly have so much compassion and you it's like it removes this pane of glass that's in front of your eyes where you like see how kind of broken and like limited people are. And it's like suddenly have this capacity for forgiveness where you're like, oh, you were just a baby the whole time. Didn't know what the fuck you were doing. It, not that that is, it's that simple, but it's, it's just like that's the kind of quality of the feeling, I think. Um, I didn't think that I was capable of the compassion that I was able to show this person. It really, really felt, felt like a really small. That's awesome. And I think, like, I mean, you worked your ass off, but I feel like that no matter, because I, I mean, forgive me for saying this, but it is, like, probably one of the, if you could think of the most extreme example 
I would say it was this relationship. Like, whatever anyone has gone through, I would say this is one of those types of, the, like, gnarliest types of relationships. And the fact that you got to that point makes me think that anybody could get to that point if that, if you wanted that for yourself. With that, I would say um, tools. I know that that's, like, kind of a prescripted type of thing to offer but what would you what would be your advice to someone who is either avoiding someone who did them wrong or maybe that person is dangerous to them and they've cut them out of their life because of all the danger they cause them like what would what would your advice be to them if they're at a point where they're like maybe that person's not dying yet like what would you tell them to do in order to prep for that uh just get ahead of it get ahead of it as much as you can get ahead of everything you know, um, listen to how angry you are, um, how it's affecting the rest of your life, and just really get as much self-care as you can around that and try and get ahead of it as much as you can. And I know it's hard because um, for a long time I didn't have the resources or the headspace to do that, um, but as much as you can do it, I can't even stress how helpful it was to be able to have the perspective of already having mourned the relationship years ago. So in other words, like therapy, do you have any um, other resources you use that you found really helpful? Definitely. Uh, meditation is really helpful. Um, making sure that I am healthy and creating a good, you know, work-life balance for myself and just, yeah, any and all self-care friendships. Um, a lot of friendships have actually blossomed because of therapy and I've been able to be healthy and reach out to people more. So when, you know, bad things happen, I can reach out and then I'm really covered in those situations instead of um, isolating, which was kind of a go-to for me mm -hmm. <laughs> before. Yeah, I would say, like, one of the most um, amazing things to me was, like, remember, that was probably the week of, or maybe it was, like, four days before, you sent a text to all, all of your closest friends saying, like, this is what's happening. I might need your help. I might need you to come and be with me. And it was, like, one by one. That makes me cry. Yeah, everybody was like, we're there for you. We'll show up. And it was like, yeah, I mean, that's so healthy. It's like such a, it's so hard to do that. It's really easy to say to do that. Like, I feel like I would even have a hard time doing that. Even just as much as I would tell someone to do that, it takes a lot of, it takes balls to say, I need you to show up for me. Because like, what if people don't reply? Then you feel like a bajillion times worse. That was, like, I thought really powerful um, and, like, just showed health and your strength immediately right off the bat. Yeah, and I feel like in a situation like this, it can be, it, of course, it's always really hard to reach out, and it's, it feels like 
you know, I don't like feeling needy or feeling like I'm being dramatic. And especially I've been complaining about (laughs) this person (laughs) for years. Anyone who knows me well knows that this person was a obstacle, a literal obstacle my entire life when they should have been exactly the opposite. So to have to reach out during a time when, you know, it's it's confusing. I'm sure it's like hard, but for people who are, I guess, on the other end um, of my situation, you know, I think that it's important to remember that just because it's a complicated um, situation or a complicated relationship doesn't mean that the grieving process isn't going to happen or that it's going to be, it's going to, it might be different than if I had had a really good relationship. Um, I might, it might be different in that I would have missed this person. Um, But it is, it's still hard. It's just hard in a different way. And I, yeah, I mean, I really didn't, yeah, I wasn't, I, I guess I thought, I guess the point of that is that, you know, if you have a friend who's kind of experiencing the same thing, just treat it like a normal death, not the death of a, <laughs> yeah, a, of a speed bump. Yeah, exactly. Um, but something that also that I did learn that's important is that not everyone who, not everyone in my family had the same relationship that I had with this person. And one of the things that I didn't handle gracefully was respecting their mourning process because it was so obvious to me that this person was so difficult and awful at times that I really just wanted to be right about Mm. this person just being terrible and that's not helpful during Mm. that time and it caused other family members pain um for me to constantly say you know this person shouldn't be canonized just because they died and i don't think that that's um a helpful situation and i i think that it would have been more respectful to just let them go through their own process, especially during a time like that. You can't really try and get someone to agree with you on what the right thing, when there is none, no right way to handle. That's a really good point. Yeah. And like also knowing that a lot of people just can't acknowledge certain things. I mean, it's exactly. like there are some people that are just blocked and their way of surviving is not to confront. Like in families, we all play a different role. We can't play the same role as somebody else in our family. So sometimes a family member that you feel like went through the exact same experience as you did not have the same experience as you, maybe even because you were there because you protected them from it. But like I felt that way before in my life where I was angry that the person didn't agree with me. And I have to remember like, no, they don't have the same exact perspective even though it seems completely obvious 
no, certain people are not capable of accepting realities that you might be capable of accepting. So like allow them to feel like safe in their version of reality. Especially then. That is not the time <laughs> after such loss and you know, such a painful time. That is not the time to try and um, you know, put, push your own ag- agenda right. onto someone else. And, you know, it's not exactly what I did, but it was, I don't think it was helpful. It wasn't even helpful for myself. Yeah, death is like an odd time capsule in that. It opens up stuff we put on hold that we forgot we put on hold. It can be like whatever time you paused having vulnerable feelings of love for somebody, it's like it unpauses that. And you can find yourself like completely unprepared to lose someone. I mean, this is like one, you know, tether, I guess, can stay attached to you. You forgot was even there. Like you might think my heart's dead to this person and all of a sudden the unpauses hit and you're like, (gasps) And you feel like the pain of an 11-year-old that's just lost someone they really care about. And you're like, whoa, where did that come from? Like, a lot of weird shit happens. And I feel like, if anything, don't judge yourself, whatever you feel. Um, so what other tools would you have? Would you offer anybody that's maybe, I don't know, if they've just lost somebody or they're about to lose someone, what would you offer them as far as like the, the way they could do right by themselves? in this milestone in their lifetime. Yeah, I mean, I think that not judging yourself is really important. Um, Like you had said, I think also trying your best to, I think there's a lot more regret from, I think, from not being there, I think, than there would be from being there. Even if it is painful or uncomfortable, um, you can always leave. You can always schedule another therapy session. I mean, unless it's a situation where, you know, we'll be really triggered and put in a really traumatic place if you're in front of this person. but. Yeah, I think just really, and I I hate to say this too, because it's, I'm sure that I I was probably pretty close to not being able to see him at all. And I think that timing really helped me. If this had happened five years ago, I might not have been able to do that. I might not have even been able to show up at all. So I think it's kind of easy for me to say in this situation, because the timing worked out well for me I mean a lot of it is because I did choose to deal with a lot of things um before all of this went down but I don't know I mean it's hard to the problem is that you can't really prepare too much for something like this and you can't really know how it's going to affect you but yeah, I guess it's just really challenging. I guess the only thing that... I think you're right, though. I mean, it's like, if if you're on the fence, I would say plan to go and then give yourself an out if you can't. 
because totally. it's like this is one of those things that you in 20 years from now, 30 years from now, it will I feel like it'll make you feel like you owned it and you weren't victimized by it because you faced it whatever it was. And granted if you are if you know right off the bat it's you can't, you absolutely can't then I would say don't. But if you think you might, you might want this in 30 years from now. Try and go to therapy or, or ver- whatever version of therapy you have. Prep yourself for the aspiration of confronting it and try and give that gift to yourself of ownership. Um, just because it changes the script, changes the script in your own mind on how this person is allowed to affect you. Absolutely. And it gives you back the power to make that choice. Mm, yeah. You're not know able to make that choice because you're so angry still or um any you know panoply of different emotions that you might be feeling because of the person then it really takes the choice out of your hands so the more you can confront those feelings ahead of time i think the clearer um vision you'll be able to have when the time comes because when i like I said, like five years ago, I wouldn't have necessarily been able to make that choice. But having accumulated all of these tools and all of this healing over time, it was an obvious choice for me, which mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not sure it would have been as obvious if I'd not had the clarity from taking care of myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I know for myself, it was like, it started as, I need to hear all these things from you or else I'm not going to ever talk to you again. I need to hear an apology. I need to hear, you know, like that was my condition was like, I want all of these words that I, um, but then it's like, I think when you cross over to the other side of it and you let go of needing it and you heal yourself, then you realize like that person wouldn't, who they are, they would never be capable of giving you what you need. Therefore, the words themselves would be hollow as well. So it's like, I don't know. That's just like, I guess my opinion on if you are in that place where you're like, I need these apologies and I need them to make up for all this stuff. It's like they can never make up for it. And, and in many ways, they might not ever be capable of even understanding or confronting what they've done. So there is a possibility of you working on giving what you didn't get to yourself and then really witnessing them just as they are that can be very um, freeing and give you a sense of closure in just, I guess, a perspective on the whole story. That's not from wound- a wounded place anymore. It's from a, a place of compassion and awareness of just human animal, I guess. Private. Totally. And when you're talking about not getting that thing that you wanted to hear from the person, um, or maybe getting it later and having it not mean anything, that exact thing happened to me because I confronted this per- this person on their deathbed and, you know, said, hurt me. And I, you know, it made my life hard because of this. And they apologized. And it meant <laughs> nothing. Right. Because of the state that they were in. And I, you know, it really made me feel bad. Right. for even bringing it up during that time. And I think that that was a really powerful moment that made me let 
a lot of it go. But to your point, it's not the same as being able to provide these things for yourself. Yeah. And that's, I guess we're just an ad for therapy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a broken record. Yeah. Um, do you have any like books or any specific resources uh, that you found helpful or topics that you Googled? Yeah, I did a lot of Googling of the topic of um, dealing with difficult deaths or dealing with um, difficult people. Uh, I listened to your podcasts a lot, which mm -hmm. were, or were and are always really helpful. Um, but I mean, there's not a ton of resources on my specific situation. I'm sure that I could go farther down the rabbit hole and find something. But yeah, I mean, I can't think of any thing specific. I did a lot of driving, got a lot of hiking in, did a lot of thinking. But to be perfectly honest, the really, really hard part was five or six years ago when I first started really looking at the relationship, who I was because of it, mm -hmm. and mourning the loss during that time. And that's when, you know, I got really into the meditation and was listening to a lot of um, Tara Brock and just reading a lot about PTSD and um, the trauma syndrome and that um, Bessel, Bessel van der Kolk. Van der Kolk. Yeah. yeah, Body Keeps the Score. Right. Loved it. So good. Uh, it, was it ACOA Trauma Syndrome? Yeah, that's that a book? really good one. Great book. Um, this is all during that time. Right. Yeah, and I think that... Radical Acceptance. Radical Acceptance is really, really good. Yeah, and I probably would have been getting into all of this now hadn't have done it already timing is much better having um i know you have such uh i guess wisdom and like you know, a comfort with it seems like at least with this part of your this chapter of your life now would you is there anything that we didn't touch on that you would wanted to, anything random you wanted to offer people yeah i mean it's still hard um I am still having a hard time with just this milestone and I'm still, it's only been a couple months, so I'm still having, you know, some normal grieving um, process issues and it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy regardless and I like all the tools that I can offer or all of the, you know, hopefully, I, hopefully there's help solace for people in listening to this, but it's really, regardless of the relationship, it's really, really hard when someone just disappears off the face of the earth. And especially if it's someone close, it's a really big milestone. So it's, hard and I not every day is good it comes out in different ways too so really listen really listen to that 
especially if you have the um, ability to kind of see patterns and see self-destructive behavior coming up when there's traumatic things that mm-hmm. happen because there's a lot of that that I noticed that I was doing Good and call. yeah I didn't judge myself for it but I would basically recognize it and say oh shit you're doing this and this is what you do when you're super stressed out and just recognizing that and realizing okay I'm not okay and that's fine and I'm scheduling another appointment or I'm taking another day off from work or Mm -hmm. I'm going on another hike or I'm doing whatever if someone doesn't understand um, especially if you're you know One of the things that is really interesting to me is that one of uh, my family members was really worried about taking off work even in the first couple of weeks afterwards because we're so hard on ourselves. Yeah. And we're so, you know, we really expect to be able to just fall right back into line in Mm -hmm. life. And I don't care what your relationship is with an immediate family member, take at least two weeks off unless you absolutely have to have the um, the rhythm and the structure. the structure, but can't, you're like an, if people know that that happened too, you're like an alien going into anywhere and, you know, it's really, really hard to just fall back into place and let yourself just kind of be Unless you're doing something horribly self-destructive, let yourself just kind of be a maniac if you need to for a little bit and just recognize, you know, what's happening and be okay, like, not being okay. Even if you feel like you should fine, which is a weird thing that people feel like they should be fine after mm-hmm. something like this happens, but that's kind of how I handle things sometimes I think that's how a lot of people handle things yeah like I'm not that sad I should I should just go back to work or if you can't cry thinking that it didn't affect you at all like people get confused and they're like maybe I didn't really love them at all or maybe they didn't care that much no allow your body to rest and allow your brain to freak out and don't feel like you're wrong for whatever your reaction is there's no no way to handle it there's mm-hmm. no way to prepare it just hard yeah and i feel like it, i mean if you are having trouble mourning or you're feeling really frustrated because you're numb one of the things i think is helpful is just to have some sort of ritual whatever it is it could be saying fuck you and glad you're gone and burning that letter whatever it is and blowing out a candle but doing something, enacting some sort of closure process, maybe it's going out to the ramen with your friends and then all bitching and telling stories and you crying and whatever. It just allows you to feel like a little bit more ownership and like you know where you are and like what's happened. Just having some sort of, you know, I don't know, memorial service for yourself, I guess, I think helps move that process through your body a little bit more. Um, and sometimes what that does is it allows you to remember other parts of your life that maybe aren't as damaging or aren't as, like, it gives you a little bit back. 
Right. And as hard as it is, like you're saying with the parts that are good, if you're even listening to this, you know, or if you're, you know, worried about your family members or you're worried about yourself or if you're making any steps towards self-improvement, then you're on the right path and there's some really healthy aspect of you and there's a healthy aspect of me that, you know, this person definitely contributed to consciously or unconsciously. So I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is that if you can't, that there is some type of good in this entire situation. And that there are some attributes um, of this person that are helpful. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to throw away everything. It can still be. You get to write the narrative of what this means in your life, and not all of it has to be bad. Um, Because I do feel like all of this stuff contributes to who we are in such a dramatic way and like I don't know I call it like it opens up the bonus levels of life it it just grows your capacity being um for whatever that's worth any uh um any parts of uh parting words of inspiration you want to Yeah, I mean, I guess there's nothing that you can't recover from. So even if you do what you consider to be the completely wrong fucking thing, Mm -hmm. um, then don't, I mean, of course you're going to worry about it, but you can recover from that too. So anything that happens, you're in a similar situation that you, or you don't feel like you did the right thing, can recover from anything. Lovely. I won't add to that because that's perfect. Um, so hopefully this helps you guys and feel free to write to me if you have questions or comments and I'll, I'll pass them along. And don't forget to smile. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.